0: we are live good morning noon and night how you guys doing my name is ryan i am the producer of the building great sales teams podcast it is our 100th episode we are at episode 100 um, and it's been a really long ride but before we get into that let's hit off this intro and get started great experiences build great leaders great leaders build great teams this is building great sales teams Awesome. 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 Thank you guys for joining us again. My name is Ryan and none of this would be possible if we did not have the man of the hour, Mr. Douglas Mitchell. Now Doug has been doing this podcast thing for a little under a year. Um, he brought me on after firing me twice, but he was like, Hey Ryan, I think you're great. So (laughs) let's bring you back on. Let's do this podcast thing. So, uh, let's welcome Doug to the show. Mr. Douglas Mitchell. How you doing, man?
1: I'm good, brother. Appreciate that intro and you putting that out there as well, making me look bad.
2: <laughs> but yeah, okay.
1: this is the 100th episode, man. I mean, I'm just I'm tripping out because, you know, when, when I first reached out to you like a week later, I was like, you know what? This isn't a good idea. You know, we we don't need to add to the payroll or whatever the case was, whatever reason I had at the time. And so I canceled my interview with you and you. Still came in and you knew it was canceled, but you didn't tell me. You're like, "Oh, I didn't know it was canceled," you know. And so you still came in, and you were just like, "Go ahead." So, okay, so I did not know it was
0: canceled until I checked my email when I was leaving the office. I was like, "Oh, it really was canceled." Okay, that's oh. great, but I, you know, I showed up, you know, because you know I made a commitment and I and I followed through. I, I'm integrous. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened.
1: I love it. So. If, if you guys don't know already Ryan is a producer of building great sales teams, he's my content manager. He's the road warrior next to me anytime we travel and we're driving somewhere we're flying somewhere. And so uh, he's been a huge part of these 100 episodes, as well as uh, Veronica the She's our social media director. Uh, she's amazing at what she does. She does social media for Argenta, agenda for uh, building great sales teams and for uh argentina solar on top of that and then her assistant Anne amadora she's our social media assistant she's been a huge part of this so all the content you guys see coming out i don't do any of that this is all i do and they make all this magic happen on the back end they put the podcast episodes out and they cut them up and make them all the content make you guys look good that have been guests on my podcast before so uh huge thanks to them and this is uh an amazing episode for us we've got first off Drewby wilson with uh, Break Free Academy. He's a vice president over there. He's a multi-million dollar sales producer. He's done 10 million in sales recently. He's the meme lord. He's got his closure Memes course. He's the founder of Lead Stages Software. He's a best-selling author of Crush the Day, and he also has the Crush the Day podcast. He's killing it on there. Drew, welcome to the show, brother.
2: Well, dang, man. When you read it off like that, that sounds pretty freaking cool. Um, no, thank you so much for... having me on you guys I am just grateful and honored to be here you know I've done some things as you just heard but more importantly I'm excited to share and help some other people who are listening here do some amazing things in their life because that's really what it's all about so thanks for having me y'all
1: I appreciate you brother we also got Wayne Skinner he's he's my right hand man he's the vice president for Field Solutions he's uh responsible for 35 million in commissions over the last 10 years trained hundreds of sales reps door-to-door b2b telemarketing and he's my partner over at argenta field solutions wayne welcome to the show brother
3: thanks brother appreciate the uh the intro man 35 million that's a lot
1: yeah yeah
3: and absolutely it up. that's awesome yes
1: sir and last but not least we got scott simons he's the president and partner in carter myers automotive which includes five dealerships. He's the TRX goat, co-host of Breakfast of Champions, the number one rated morning show on Clubhouse. He's an avid and in angel investors. He's an avid angel investor, and then he's also, which is a huge accomplishment, been married for 20 years and has two amazing kiddos that I get to hear about all the time. Scott, welcome to the broadcast.
4: Hey Doug, thanks for having me, and uh, Wayne, Drewby, Ryan. You know let's have some fun today but I, i'm honored to be here uh with these superhumans, and let's provide some value which is what we're here for so thanks for having me
1: i love it scott all right guys appreciate y'all joining and speaking of fun you know how fun is this mustache pretty cool huh <laughs> so it's not my greatest look but it is for an amazing cause okay so uh if you guys get a chance and you haven't made your donations you haven't Done your uh, tax donations yet? Here's your chance to do it. Jump into the comments here, and there will be a link there to my Movember page, and you can donate to men's health. Now, this is an important uh, charity, me, charity for me for a few reasons. Uh, I have, I've had several of my friends and family pass away from mental health issues, as well as I know early detection is a big deal for for men. You know, with women it's breast cancer, with men it's statistics testicular cancer. So uh, Movember is a great organization that provides funding to programs that provide awareness and prevention and medical research into all of those things I just mentioned. So please, if you if you have a few dollars that you're putting away for donations and to get some tax benefits out of, take advantage of, of Movember. And so I'll be donning this mustache for the rest of the month here. And so another thing we're doing to raise money for Movember that Drewby joined me on is we're gonna run a marathon here pretty soon, and uh, the the person that raises the most money for Movember is going to have to admit the opposing person's view on what a taco is. Okay, Drewby, I'm gonna give you the floor. I know you're loaded up and ready to go. What is a taco, Drewby? I hold, wrong. On, hold First, on. Now let's go ahead.
2: Context is very important here, Douglas. Let's not just play this in your favor, just so you can no 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 no. This ain't your show, but it is your show. But you can't just play it like this. The the question is really a matter of specifically: is it a breakfast taco or a breakfast burrito? The reason is when we attended the original Apex Evolution event, shout out class 001, right? We had breakfast burritos in the morning why do I call them a breakfast burrito well it's pretty obvious you took the eggs the sausage the cheese you put it in the middle of your little flour tortilla there and you rolled it up on itself which as soon as it becomes a rolled unit right it's it's touching all the way around it's circular in shape even it becomes a breakfast burrito but young Douglas here and his fantastic mustache And as much as I love him and appreciate him, is 100% wrong in calling it a breakfast taco. I don't care if you're from South Texas or South Dakota. As soon as that bad boy rolls over on itself, it becomes a burrito, Doug. I hate to tell you that you're wrong because I love it when you're right. But this is one of those situations, bub. Are you done? I'm going to give you the floor. I don't want to take the whole show.
1: (laughs) Are you done? Okay. So I would love... For all except for Scott, if anybody on this show right now calls a Mexican restaurant and asks them for a breakfast taco or a breakfast burrito, let me tell you what you're going to get. When you ask for a breakfast taco, you're going to get a small tortilla. When you ask for a burrito, you are going to get a large tortilla. They have both for breakfast, but one is large and one is small. Okay. And this is not just, okay. Now, when you go up north, twenty twenty
2: two, you can't side shame my burrito. Hey, hey, Don't my you floor, dare,
1: my floor. When you go up north, <laughs> when you go up north, yes, they're gonna call it a breakfast burrito because they're uneducated on the ways of Mexico. Texas borders Mexico. South Southern California borders Mexico, and in those states, it is a breakfast taco. I want to hear from America. What's you, America, think. baby? Let's 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 get the comments rolling. Let's get the conversation rolling. And at the end of the episode, we'll come back to this and count them up. Is it a taco? Is it a burrito? And the description is a small flour tortilla with eggs, cheese and bacon or sausage, whatever. Right. We can agree on that. That's what we're talking about here. Drewby's sure, argument. We can, we can agree folded, on this, right? folded versus rolled.
3: My argument is the size of the tortilla. Let them rip. All right, well, a flour tortilla is going to naturally fold. Like, it doesn't just stand up on its own. So it's going to fold over. So then by default... So I guess the
2: shaming should really be about the size of the contents inside of your shell then. Because if you're not Ooh, putting okay. enough goods in there to really set it to be a taco, because a taco should be filled to the brim with goods, not touching, not folded in over on itself, right? okay
3: see that makes sense i'm here here look we got a conversion (laughs) okay so no 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 i'm not going to convert i'm not converting i'm not converting but let's talk about a quesadilla then what is a quesadilla right a sandwich sandwich, but quesadilla is folded
2: over on itself and heated on a a flat top so it's different Because it's a different style of cooking, right? You're heating the shell and you're making sure typically a good quesadilla, you're either pressing it between two hot plates or you're doing it on a flat top turtle style. Either is fine. Scott's uh,
1: completely non-biased in this argument, right? He's heard both sides. Scott, what say you?
4: You know, I I really don't like getting involved in politics or (laughs) debates like this because I love everybody. (laughs) I love burritos and tacos. So whatever you call them, I like to eat both. I just say, you know, whatever you're, whatever you're comfortable with. Just if you want to call it a taco burrito, just make sure you include me. That's all I ask.
2: <laughs> That's why he's got the number one freaking go. show on Clubhouse because he knows how to play the game. Well done, sir. No, I appreciate yeah. you being on I, the team. I'm running
1: for president now, man. Yeah. That was a hell of an answer. I know. If I could it, just, Trump
4: would have listened to me. He'd have still been president if they didn't take the election, right? But anyway. Oh shit! Here end. we go. We're Let going me run to run this right
1: all right, guys. Going into business, kind of pivoting here. You know, I've got a, I've got a few questions for you, and I definitely want to uh, let the listeners, or the listeners and the viewers know, if you drop your question in the comments, whether it's for one of us individually or the group as a whole, we're gonna do our best to answer those questions for you as we continue with this episode. But in the meantime, I've got a, got a talking point that I want to relay out to you guys. So, in a lot of major businesses. Uh, especially small business, typically, you know, you start doing over two, three million, typically what happens is you have to appoint a number two. The workload is just too much. And then you need to divvy up your creative zone of genius. You need to keep yours and then you need to divvy up everything else. Right. And so what typically happens is you put a number two in place. You know, sometimes it's the visionary integrator setup. you know what I mean? And sometimes it's just like, Hey, we got a lot of work and I need somebody that I can count on to handle these accounts, I'm gonna handle these, these bigger accounts, whatever the case is. So, a lot of businesses have a number two in them. And there's two amazing number twos on this call right now Drewby Wilson with Break Free Academy and Wayne Skinner with Argentina Field Solutions. And so, I thought this was appropriate that we bring this up. What about the number twos that could easily be number ones? So, I'll kick it off with Drewby. what what does it take to find a number two like you?
2: I don't know. Every time you call me a number two, I really can't help but laugh (laughs) inside because I'm a giant (laughs) child. Um, But no. So for me, man, as far as my position, I'm the vice president here at Break Free Academy. When I came into this company, I was a client initially. So when I think about If I'm a business owner and I'm actively seeking, right, because I'm in that leadership role now where I'm kind of overseeing, bringing on new talent, what I'm looking for in a strong number two is someone who's an advocate, right? Because if someone's already familiar with my brand and they know my product, maybe they are currently a client, they're someone who's benefiting from our services, they also tend to be someone who's interested in carrying our mission, right? Because our mission and core values is a really, really big part of what we do here at Apex and Break Free Academy. So when we find advocates that are like all about it, it would make sense that if they're looking for more opportunity that we can offer and help, help them with that opportunity. Because ultimately, what I recognized at this point in the journey is that there are some people who want to be business owners and entrepreneurs and want that responsibility. But then there are also people who want to be successful and create that and have that feeling of the team and and that growth, but they don't want to carry all of the weight. And so, you know, maybe that's just because they're still getting warmed up to that idea and they could go on to become a strong number one or a leader somewhere else. But to get there for me, you know, working through the system, I'm constantly working myself out of a job. So every time I want to delegate and move to the next thing, I have to find a strong number two to replace myself. And typically, for me, the first place I look is, hey, who's a good advocate? And who's somebody who's kind of already doing this position as it is that I can then present that opportunity to and see if that's something they'd be interested in.
1: Make a lot makes a lot of sense. I mean, so many times in the general just business as usual we come across these people in it and it and it happens to me all the time i'll be at a restaurant i'll be you know at the detail shop or whatever case and you'll see that guy and this is for hiring people in general but something will happen where you you know like this is this is a dude you know what i'm saying this is somebody that has their it doesn't matter if they're waiting tables or not they love what they're doing and they're passionate about it right and so recognizing it just in your day-to-day life but like you said Ruby, it could be a client You know, if you're doing construction and this person's got, you know, a half a million dollar home or something like that and they got their stuff together, it may it may be a client in which was in your case. That's what it was. So uh, let me let me move this over to Scott. So, Scott, um, well, I guess the first question is, do you have that kind of like designated number two in your business? I know there's a lot going on in a car dealership. Um, And if you do, how do you kind of divvy up the work?
4: Yeah, so that's a great question. So thank you for asking. So Doug, we we have a I do have a number two. So here we have five car dealerships all feeding into uh me as the as a leader. I have a number two. A gentleman's worked, we've worked together now for about 15 years, and he is in charge when I'm not here. He's involved in every meeting. He started off in sales. We like to promote from within, and he's worked his way up to second, you know, second in command. Underneath that org chart, we have general managers at each stores or leaders of each stores that in essence report up to Chad and then report up to me, but they run their own businesses. And if you really sit and think about it, the old school way of managing people was don't teach anybody anything and that's kind of like job security, but you really yeah. don't have to worry about that as a number one because you're number one, right? But what I what I preach to, to our team is one we get to know every employee. We ask for their three personal and three professional goals. Why that's important is, is it one that lets them know we care about them. So every employee, what's your three personal, three professional goals? You report that to your direct leader, and then you report it to Chad and I, and then we take a look at it. And we see people that say, hey, I want to be more. Some people don't want to be, to move up the corporate ladder. Some people don't want to, you know, they want to be the best sales rep. They want to manage themselves, not other people. So sometimes companies will promote up the the top producer. They don't don't want that. So then it creates a situation where they may leave because you promoted them into a position they don't want. So once we get to know them on a personal level, professional level, we set goals. So now we're setting goals for next year. The leaders meet with them every quarter. Now someone says, hey, I want more. I want to go into finance next. So in a car dealership, it's sales, finance or business office, sales manager, sales manager. Uh, general sales manager, general manager, then managing partner, which would be me, and then, of course, dealer. So, one, they have a very clear path, career path. Uh, two, we find out what they want to accomplish. Three, we love to promote from within. That's a secret here of ours. Most of my managers, I think I have 22 managers, uh, 19 of them have sold cars here. My, my right hand guy, he has sold cars here. We've worked together for a very long time. If you don't have a number two, the lid for your career is right here. You can't grow any further. So each department manager, we then it trickles down to sales, to service, to parts, to accounting, to recon. We, it's our battle cry. Who is your number two? Who is your person? Because you can't grow to another position if I can't replace you. And how does your business work when you're not there? It should it may go down slightly, but it shouldn't completely collapse. That means you haven't built a good team, but you've got to have confidence in the fact that this person is not going to take my job, which a lot of ignorant thinking is I'm going to keep people in the dark. and I'm not going to help push them up because I don't want them to take my job. So our battle cry here has been forever promote from within personal professional goals and then uh, train basically your replacement so we can consider you. If you don't have a replacement, that means you haven't built a team and you haven't poured into a number two. Also, when they do get that position and they do get that opportunity, it doesn't hurt the company as bad overall. So it works in a bunch of different facets, but that's, it's a really good topic to talk about. It's extremely important for any company out there to, to adopt this concept and work hard on it.
1: No, I love it. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, I would not, I mean, this, this show wouldn't exist for one, you know what I mean? If, if I didn't have Wayne in the position that he's in and, uh, you know, I know I'm not perfect in the sense of our relationship with uh, myself and Wayne. You know, I've done some stupid stuff. You know, it it happens. It just happened a couple of weeks ago. Like we were talking over each other. We were frustrated. We were upset. But that's the thing. Like we have that relationship. We've been together for ten plus years now, and um, we're able to do that. And then by the end of the conversation, it's like, man, uh, enjoy your family. Have a good night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like business as usual. And it's like. Man, it's just crazy that we we are able to do that because we don't we don't take it personally. Just because we're passionate about a certain subject or argument or whatever the case is, we don't take it personally. And so, um, Wayne, my my question to you about this subject would be, like, how do you keep a number two? You know what I mean? How do you keep that key player in the business long term? And um, you know, fire away the the good and the bad, brother.
3: Yeah, I mean, everything that that Scott and Drew said uh, are man, it's just spot on to, to how I feel. I mean, you can't, you can't, uh, when I manage and build, even from the most entry level person uh, I'm constantly pushing the, you can't be promoted if you can't be replaced, right? You have to be replaced. And, and I want you to replace yourself by two, right? Give me options on who we're doing. this. I, I want to make sure you can do it a couple of times because just doing it once, you know, the, the old saying that even a a broken clock is right twice a day. Right. So I want to see you duplicate yourself by two um, and and make that happen. So with keeping number twos and strong number twos and developing them um, really, it comes down to, for me is, is I just build uh, a relationship with those folks, man. I I sit down with them, I pour into them. um, I make sure that they clearly see the path that they have to go down to take over my job. Cause because I wanna do what's next, right? So if I wanna do what's next, I need to make sure I have somebody to come in and take my spot. And so I have to have that clear path, uh, like Scott said, like Drew said. Um, and uh, and I also have to recognize when, this is kind of a key piece too, is it that not every number two is gonna become a number one, right? It, it, there, there is that that person that like drew said that man that, that's not really what they want i mean what they want to do is you know make a bunch of money and spend more time with family Whereas a number two or even moving into a number one you know that the time with family piece is, is you know gets um kind of gets taken away right you don't get to spend as much time because you're working more um but really paying attention to it pouring into them um, on a personal level as well as a business level make sure that you're mentoring um, that you know what's going on with them, uh, you recognize when there's problems um, way before they actually happen, um, and uh, and really do your best to 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 guide them along the way, right? One hundred percent. Any other thoughts on that, guys?
1: It's a it's a tough one. I couldn't agree more because it's like everybody wake everybody's born wanting to be a number one. You know what I mean? But it's like. Man, if I'm born wanting to play in the NFL, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like the percentages go down drastically, you know, and, and Wayne's right in the sense that like, you know, the, the, the time with family just depends on how you operate your business. But one thing that'll never change is that it all falls on you. You know, when you're in that number one position and payrolls do, you got to figure it out. And it doesn't matter if you have to clear out your savings account, you have to clear out your personal bank account uh, sell whatever you got to sell. I mean, I've done it all and you got to make payroll. And sometimes people want to be free of that, you know, and they just want to go out and make an impact in the world. And I think, I think number twos have an ability to make more impact than number ones, because number ones have to put the business first, but number twos can put their, the impact that they make on other people first. You know, whenever me and Wayne get into it, it's usually he's protecting is sales organization, and I'm protecting the business. And then we're meeting in the middle, figuring out how that's going to work, how we can work that together. And it's difficult sometimes, y'all. It becomes incredibly, incredibly difficult at that point. So let's talk a little bit about uh, our, our salespeople, right? And so I've gone through a lot of this this past year. My team's gone from probably 30 to 40, down to like six or seven now and uh it's because we've we've put our core values first this year and uh we've had a lot of stressful things happen in the business going from an AT&T based model to a solar based model and so um one you know there's two things sales hate is change and change you know <laughs> and so we've gone through a lot in terms of dealing with lack of production performance you know having to cut sales loose so this is a, a subject I feel like Especially on podcasts and interviews and stuff, most people avoid because they never want to say, "Hey, I terminate salespeople." You know, <laughs> that's uh, not the best look in general, right? So, I'll kick it off with uh, Scott. How many how many salespeople do you manage right now?
4: We have uh, in between sales reps and managers. There's over probably sixty total um, okay. between the stores. Um, how we? I think it's a really good question. Um, we're pretty clear on our expectations and we are from a company standpoint. So if you say, Scott, how long have you been in the auto industry? It's been like 27 years. How many people have I actually terminated? And typically if they are terminated, it's because of HR issue. It's because there was no other choice. They had to be let go. Most of the time people leave our company. Our turnover is extremely low based on the industry average. A a auto sales rep, 70% of the time turns over in the first year. 70%. Ours is substantially less than that. It's about half. Um, But what we do is we make sure that we're slow to hire and we have very clear expectations. And then we train on those expectations where typically someone says, Scott, or to their leader, I can't live up to the expectations. I simply can't do it. So we track a couple of things that's pretty unique to our company. I think we track how many hours it takes them to sell a car. So you take how many hours they work, divide by how many cars they sell. Used to be the old adage was, if you sold eight to 10 cars a month, you could quote unquote, keep your job. Um, What we do is we look at where they're at in their journey and then are they progressing? Most people that run a car dealership, you want them to work about 22 days a month and you want them to sell a car a day, a car every 12 hours. If you sit and think about that, that's where we would prefer them to be. We're closer to the 15 average, 16 average per associate. We don't load up the floor. We don't hire a bunch of people and pray they make it, which is strategies from some businesses. They'll hire 10 and make them fight for two positions. We, we don't do business that way because turnover is not good for the company. It's not good for the community. We're kind of in a small town and I I wouldn't want to be treated that way. So a lot of the, my management style and our culture here has to do with things that we've experienced And how we want to be treated. If you treat your employees how you want to be treated, your team, you treat your customers how you want to be treated, and you're a good steward towards your community, typically everything works out. So um, we track their numbers. We train and coach all the time. We teach them how to build their own brand, how to sell cars. We track how many cars they sell versus how many cars we generate. That's another thing we do. So when I first started tracking this number, our sales reps would sell 5% of the cars we sold. By training them on building their brand, building their machine, which we learned through Apex, now they sell 45% of the cars that are sold are sold by them. They're going to close at a higher percentage. You're going to make higher gross, and it's more efficient. My goal is to push that number up to 80 or 90%. Then I don't have to advertise. Then I can reinvest that money in technology, in infrastructure, in anything to make us efficient. So those are some of the things that we that we track. Um and we have a smaller team that's more efficient. We want to make sure everybody has the ability to make, uh, you know, good living. The average wage here in Stanton's about fifty-five thousand for a family. Our average sales associate here makes over a hundred thousand a year. And we do have a waiting list in some positions for people to come hire, uh, come work for us. We also mentor our team, which I know you've heard me talk about. Um, you know, I talked about it at Apex uh, when I had opportunity to speak at Apex Live. Um, how we mentor. And I just started my latest mentorship, which is about 20 people um, that we sit and do life with. We talk about uh, finances. We talk about relationships, health, wealth, finances, their personal professional goals. That also helps cut down on your attrition, on your turnover. And that's something I decided to do. I will not coach or train. I will not work with people outside of the people that work for me. And I have had people come relocate to work here to go through my mentorship that have moved from other states. So that's the value that it brings. You'll see if you go look at my social media, I was probably tagged on three or four posts yesterday from associates. They got up and had to tell their story. We filmed it for them. And, you know, we're practicing them getting up and speaking in front of people. Next week, we're going to, well, I don't want to say, but next week we'll go into some credit things and we'll do some other fun things. So that's just some of the strategies we use here um, and some of the matrices that we, that we follow uh, in auto industry, which is pretty unique to us.
1: So there's a few a few points that you said in there that i want to make sure everybody hears and the first thing is you're 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 terminating based on metrics you know what i'm saying you're you're looking at their metrics and that's where you get your first indication like hey we got an issue here but it's not just flat metrics it's a sliding scale depending on how long they've been with the company and and what they've been through at the company right and then the the second piece that i really want to point out is that that mentorship program right so every, everything that that scott's doing is anti-termination right you know what i mean slow to hire is a is a huge piece that i wanted to point out also because i've i've done both and you know whenever i'm slower to hire my retention rate increases it goes through the roof you know but one thing i will say is that i've noticed is because i'm slow to hire the retention rate increases and maybe we have better comp the performance the performance decreases a little bit is what I'm noticing, you know? And so uh, those sliding scales are, are, are tough sometimes to manage when that type of stuff is happening. But, um, in terms of when you actually do have to terminate a salesperson, what, what does it typically have to do with?
4: For us, it typically has to do with something that they broke company policy. You know, they broke a culture, their culture. Like uh, we do not, we do not stand for people that are lazy, that don't show up on time. I mean, there's certain, like, um, we're really big on making sure we have the proper staff to stay covered. So when I get someone to turn into PTO uh, time off, I have to look at all five dealerships to see who's going to affect. And then I have to slide pieces from dealership to dealership to make sure that we're covered. So, um, well, you know, typically like I said, people typically resign because we're so clear in our expectations. Mm-hmm. If you fire somebody and they're in shock, then you've done a shitty job as a leader. You've mm-hmm. done a real, real shitty job. Once as leaders, we've decided to hire that person. It's then on our responsibility to bring the best out of them. Because was it a hiring mistake? Or was it a training mistake? Because we all agreed based on everything we did personality tests, criminal history tests, credit, all these things that we did to hire that person, all the money we spent, we all agreed we should hire. So when they don't work out, especially a short amount of time, I look at the leader and say, where did we go wrong? Cause we all agreed we should hire, which I typically talk to everybody before they're hired and just to make sure they're a good culture fit. But if you take that approach, I think you'll see um, um, you'll see turnover go down. Um, mm. And you know, we, we do pour into them. I mean, For a car dealership to have a mentorship i mean think about it guys we don't have the best reputation in the world i think there's you know attorneys and ambulance chasers and divorce attorneys are down there with us but uh i take great pride in being the auto industry and it really starts with me i've got to set the culture and then i've got to live my my actions have to match my words and i'm really fortunate to have a really good team here you know cma
1: Uh, that's massive and uh i think the mentorship is huge and that's probably one of the first things that we talked about when you uh, jumped into the podcast trailer, when you had your podcast uh was that mentorship and uh that's something that i think uh i mean we've talked about it before the impact that it's made just on connecting you with your guys so um one of the, what you talked about though what you'll actually terminate on is typically it sounds like core values you know not doing what you say you're going to do that type of stuff because as long as they execute your program And they do what they say they're going to do which is what they commit to when they get hired because you're so clear about those expectations um they're in good shape right and so uh the the next one's for you brother um when it comes to those core values what signs do you look at for when you know hey somebody's kind of headed on this downhill slope i need to correct them or hey this is going to be hard to come back from what are you typically looking for
2: i'm looking for the little things It's the, you know, used to push in your chair, but now you don't. It's the used to be really good about following up, but then I get two or three messages from people. They're like, oh, I never heard back. Right. It's the little things that start slipping that turn into the big things because it all adds up. Right. Because what happens for a sales guy, especially is like they have a huge month and they make a bunch of money and then they kind of get that like foot off the gas feeling because they're comfortable. And then they kind of forget to do a couple things. And then, you know, that next month is a little slow. Then you kind of ride them because you're like, hey, man, you, you had a massive month. So I know you're you're capable. But then you just came back and were like half of your normal production. We, we know why this happens, right? It's a mindset thing. That's why the mentorship that Scott mentioned is so important, because you can help people understand like, hey, just because you got a big paycheck doesn't mean that you can screw off for the next 45 or 60 days. That's what most average people do. And we're not here to be average. So I think for me, it's watching for those things so that we can kind of address them early, but then also really just, man, you can tell, like there, there's a conversation shift. There's something that happens when a sales guy goes from like being honest and being integrous to just starting to say things or do things that really come back on just trying to make the money versus really living out those core values and trying to help people. It's the, hey, man, I got to close these sales. I got to close these sales. And yeah, we're all in the sales game. But ultimately, no, I'm here to help people. If I show up and help enough people, then the money will be a byproduct of that. But when it's always, I got to close these sales, I got to get this money, it's a quick downward slope from there.
1: Now, one of the things I love about Drewby is that's been your message from the first podcast episode that I had a guest on was Drewby. And that's one of the first things that he talked about was, Hey, I'm I'm here to help people. And as long as I focus on that, the rest will come, you know, and it, it's not this woo woo thing, you know what I mean? Like you get, you get referrals from that. You can sleep at night from that. You get peace from that. You know what I'm saying? And that permeates in your everyday life and the way that you work and the way that you operate. So I think that's, that's massive what you're talking about there. And yeah, the little things, you know, you'll, you'll start noticing that, you know, your sales rep will come in a little later. You know what i mean or you'll call them at you know in our case in door to door you'll call them at six o'clock in the evening which is prime time and they won't be in the field you know it's these little things and they start adding up and uh i would agree with you on that point too it's like they get the big checks and then that's when that's when you start harping on those little things again but if you weren't harping on them when they were closing the big deals if you weren't harping on them when they sold you know six or seven cars in a week Then they're gonna be real surprised like scott said they're gonna be real surprised when you get on their ass the next week because they're not they're not uh executing on the metrics the action or the actionable items that you're supposed to execute on so i think that's one of the biggest struggles that we have as sales managers and um sales leaders is okay when our guys are doing good the instinct is to back off of them and uh to let them do their thing because they're closing deals right but what happens all too often is like Drew we said, they get a big check, and then all of a sudden they stop doing the things that got them there. And and then it's like commission breath after that, right? Wayne, what are your what are your what are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I agree. It's the complacency, right? You you, you fall into that complacent mindset. Um and and the scary the scary part about being in a complacent mindset is um that the longer you're there, the more you're convinced that it's not anything you're doing, right? The salespeople become they convince themselves that you know things aren't going their way, not because of their work ethic or because they're doing things differently, but because you know this has changed or that's changed. Um, and uh, in the reality, all that's really changed is is the is their mindset. Um, you know, I was was thinking about this a couple of days ago, actually, and it was the the motivation versus discipline. Right. So with salespeople, especially early on, um, they need motivation, right? They need a because re- motivation is a feeling, right? It's, it's they need to motivate them to go out and do the work. And then over time, that motivation naturally turns into discipline. Uh, but if you don't explain to somebody that that's what naturally happens is that you naturally develop discipline, then they constantly need that dopamine fix from motivation. They don't have the discipline built up. They're not looking for how to build discipline in their job and in their career and in their life. Um, They're just looking for that dopamine hit of, of, you know, they they read a, they saw a motivational video by Eric Thomas and now they're all pumped up or, you know, it's the same with being in a gym and and having music on versus having a podcast on, right? You can, the discipline allows you to listen to a podcast or an audio book while working out and not have to have, you know, Pantera playing in full blast to, to keep you motivated, right? It, it's the discipline piece that that, uh, that falls off. And, and I love what Scott said. I want to kind of hit on this personally for me um, was the clear expectations. Like up front, this is the, this is the clear expectations that we have and we're going to do everything and that we tell you that we're going to do. You should have expectations of us, but our expe- expectations of you are these things so that it's not a surprise when we sit down and say, Hey, you know, you're not for us It's door to door. Hey, you're not knocking on enough doors or man, you're, you're knock to, to run ratios is, is way off, man. What, what is happening there? Um, and are you doing the things we told you to do along this process? Um, and then when we audit that system and that process, they're not surprised because they knew that coming in, they knew coming into work for us that these were going to be the expectations. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, th- that's, that's what my thoughts are on it.
1: No, I appreciate it. That makes a a ton mm-hmm. of sense. You know, and we talk about it a lot in our circles, especially within Apex, you know, Arte and the, all the things that everybody's involved in, RBO, um, discipline versus motivation. And I guess what we don't realize until we actually start executing on the discipline, which is there is – two incredibly disciplined motherfuckers on this c- call right now <laughs> scott simons and Drewby wilson i mean I, y'all don't miss every morning i i wake up whether i wake up at 4 30 or 5 30 now scott's an hour ahead so whether i wake up at 4 30 or 5 30 though there's scott's lfg every freaking morning a different count or a different type of post whatever the case is but he's always on it and then Drewby in his stories every morning 4 30 a.m 5 a.m he's there getting his workout in dude's still doing what he was doing before, plus training for a marathon now. And uh, so two really disciplined dudes. But I think what we don't realize is when we start executing on that, we get dopamine from that too. You know what I'm saying? Like when I don't go to the gym in the morning, I feel it throughout the day. When I do go to the gym and I'm done with that workout and I get to hit end on my Apple Watch, like that is a dopamine rush versus the Eric Thomas video, you know? It, it was such a. Go ahead. Think, go ahead. I think
4: you're right. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I think you're right, Wayne. Uh, you brought up a really good point earlier. We we actually have a a sheet. I know it sounds old school, and you know, but they they turn in a sheet. Did you check in? Did you work the service lane? How many people did you call today? And before they leave for the day, they approach the sales desk and they say, "Okay, I'm checking out for the day. Here's what I did." And then the sales manager looks at it, says, "Okay, you know how many cars did you sell today? How many calls did you make today?" You know. And then we ask them before they leave, go take a quick look in the mirror and say, "Did I do everything I could do to be successful for me, my family, and this company today?" And then that's a good chance for us to coach them. But it is spelled out what we ask them to do. Now, the good ones do above and beyond, but there's no question. Uh, the second point of what you brought up too is, is there's there's a boss and there's a there's a leader. A boss tells you what to do. A leader shows you what to do. So I tell my team all the time, if you're going to ask them to go post on social, like I just I just noticed uh, before we got on the call that. One of my stores is not posting on social today. Well, really, I shouldn't have been the one reminding him. So I do a group text to the leader and his team and said, hey, I don't see your check-in. I don't see your new car post and used car post today. What's going on? Because the number two is in charge because the number one's out. So I sent it to the number two. and said, all eyes are on you. We're seeing what you could do today. How many appointments you have today? So I have to touch him and remind him. And that's coaching him to become that number one. So he's going to get managed a little bit differently, respectfully, always respectfully. But before I can manage someone tough and get the most out of them, just like y'all know, they got to know I care. They got to know that I truly care about where they want to be. And that's why I'm pushing them. And if they know you care and they want more, then I'm going to push the shit out of them. And they're either, they're either going to respond or they're going to re- realize real quickly, I don't want to be a number one. I want to go back and manage myself. Like, I, like I'm good. I'm good where I'm at because I don't want that type of pressure. Because pressure, you know, that's when you find out, you know, when your back's against the wall and you get pushed a little bit, that's when you find out what you're made out of and the ones that step up and rise up, then they'll start doing on their own. And you don't have to touch them as much. You don't have to go and remind them. But Doug, yeah, the reason why we work out so much, like just like people take care of themselves is we don't want to, I can't go in front of people that I manage and say, I want to be the best version of me and be fat or out of shape or be a shitty dad or a shitty husband. And you know, then I'm a fake, I'm a fraud. You know, so I, I can't do that. So I was at 270 pounds at one point, poor health. I won't get back there. I will go play racquetball in the morning. We'll play racquetball in the evening because I can't push my team to be the best. We do a group workout every Saturday morning. Now about 30 of us at five 30 as a team building. And so we, you know, we do things like that outside of work because we truly care and we're trying to push ourselves to be the best versions of us possible. But yeah, you know, I, I agree. When I see other people working out, it pushes me. So I, I can't then, um, if I don't post, Doug, they'll say, Scott, where are you at? What's wrong? You know, I'll get texts and say, hey, you didn't post. You know, I don't I don't schedule that. That's actually when I get up It's the first thing I do, is shut my phone down or turn it down and then go on to get my day started. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that's a key, man, is not letting ourselves. We can't let ourselves get comfortable. Um, the most comfortable any of us will ever be, like my friend Glenn Lundy says, is right before death. And I don't ever want to get comfortable. So that's the reason why we uh, we push ourselves like that.
1: No, I love it. And you you brought up a few good points. One of them being the, the going back to the metrics piece, but doing it on a sheet. You know, we have this thing we call uh, a baseball card and uh, it's got everything from the uh, time you're in the field. Right. And, and it's tracking it daily and it aggregates it weekly. So your manager can check on it daily. Right. And then uh, weekly they get turned in and then we run the numbers up and start looking at conversion rates and and that, and that gives us a, a picture company-wide of what we should be training on because of the conversion rates from not uh, talking to qualified candidate to uh, giving a full presentation to a close, right? And so th- those basically tell tells us the story through data. But it is a huge accountability piece for them just to fill that thing out on a daily basis. And even if they come into the meeting the next day and 10 minutes before pencil whip it, that is going... Basically, that means that they're trying, even though they're not doing it out in the field like they should be, and maybe they're not being completely honest. They're still saying, "Hey, I respect you enough to do this piece," and then you you have something to work with there. You know what I mean? And I I feel like our our job as as leaders or our sales leaders is is to do everything we can not to terminate people. You know what I mean? I've kept people on payroll way too long before. <laughs> you know, and it, and it becomes a a uh, a failure point in the business sometimes, you know. Wayne and I just recently recently dealt with that, and uh, so I guess I would direct this part to Wayne. Like, at what point do you feel like, hey, it's time to cut them loose and we we can't do this anymore? You know, we talked a little bit about core values earlier, but sometimes those those things aren't as obvious, right? Because I mean, I, maybe not for for Scott and Drewbeek because the positions that they have are a little higher level, but for us, it's an entry-level position. It's door-to-doors. And, and we have guys, they, they, they'll they lie to our face sometimes about what they did that day. You know what I'm saying? So at, at what point do you feel like, Wayne, hey, we got to cut them loose?
3: I mean, it's a tough one for me. I mean, you know, it's I, I'm always, you know, when I was younger, I made a, a lot of really, really stupid things. And, uh, you know, a lot of people in my life gave me that second and third chance, right? Um, so, um, I, I really having the servant's heart and wanting to help people and and believe that that people are just coachable, you know, and 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 really in my heart believing that I can I can coach them and help them to uh, to get past whatever they're going through. Um, it's tough for me, right? It's what I struggle with because there is like this fine line between. Who's somebody who's coachable and somebody who is just uh, they're just holding a place like they don't want to be coached. They'll they'll nod and they'll smile and like yeah of course I mean, we'll we'll get right on that man and then and then they just turn around and do the opposite right um, and and so for me uh, it really is um, I have to fall back on the data. I mean I just have to when when I, I look at it from the the personal you know, the little things, the gut feeling, um, and, and it just doesn't feel right. I have to, I, I go to the data and the data is what tells me, Hey, this person is not doing what I asked them to do. They're not doing what the expectations are. Um, and no matter what I say or how I say it, it it's not going to change. Um, it's time for us just to part ways. So, um, th- that's what it has to be for me. It's the only thing I can fall back on, man. Cause you know, my, my bleeding heart (laughs) gut is gonna, it it, it steers me wrong sometimes. So,
1: and, and some of the reason that is, is because the connection we have with the guys, you know what I'm saying? Like we know who they are and it it is, it's the hardest thing. You know, it took us a long time. Some of the cuts that we made were people that have been with us five years and their core values aligned perfectly, but our business couldn't afford it anymore. couldn't afford to carry someone that had the right core values, but wasn't producing. You know and that that's difficult you don't hear that much from the stage anymore but it's it's true sometimes people can be the right people but be in the wrong position but there is no position to move them into you know what i mean so you got to let them go um so on that um on that connection piece you know it that gets us in trouble sometimes most of the time it's completely necessary that you're connected with your people And it's, it's one of the things that I really struggled with back in 14 and 15, when I had 100, you know, Wayne and I had 110 sales reps, you know, it's like, how do you stay connected with 100 plus people, you know, that's when it that's when your levels of management become incredibly important. You need to make sure, you know, we had man, we had assistant manager, manager, regional, vice president, and then myself, right? So you need to make sure that everybody's responsible for their piece, right? So an assistant manager is connecting with their team. But the market manager is as well the regional is as well and so we would schedule um monthly phone calls with different levels of management and the entry-level reps we always wanted the entry-level reps to be heard but we would schedule it out to where okay you know two days in they get a call from me and then uh four days in they get a call from the regional and then they have a one-on-one with their local market manager and their assistant manager they see every day and they train with every day and so we would set it up like that but i want to hear from you guys how y'all keep that connection with your team? Whether you have a small team or uh, a large team, like Scott with sixty plus people, uh, how do you keep that connection with your team? I'll kick it off with uh, Drooby.
0: Uh, hey, Doug. Before we get into that, um, we did have a comment from Stu Segura. Okay, uh, it's on the screen, and it's it's kind of going back to the 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 firing and hiring. He was talking about any time he ever had to fire, it should have been done weeks months prior, and he he wasn't going with his gut. Um, so how, I'm kind of wording it in the question that I have, how would you, um, how would you balance going with your gut versus like that first, like initial thing? Like, is that, I guess it kind of leads into getting to know your team. Um, but just kind of, I want to hear how you guys would break that down.
1: Yeah, I'll kick it off. Um, so. You know, I have that tingling feeling that I need to cut someone loose. And so this is where, you know, having someone like Wayne in place is huge. I'll have that tingling feeling and I'll hit Wayne up and I'll ask him, hey, am I crazy here? Should we cut this person loose? And he's typically the one to bring me back to center. You know what I'm saying? And that's typically our process for that. Obviously there's a lot of variables involved with metrics and everything, but at that point, we're putting them on some type of probationary period. And yeah, Stu's 100% right. 90% 90% of the time um that we do end up having to cut them loose because they're not willing to do the work right but putting that couple of weeks is what helps you sleep at night and you know you made the right choice after that couple of weeks versus you know going with your gut initially cutting them loose and maybe you help the business out a little bit maybe your profit margin got a little better but you know i just always want to be sure that I do my due diligence and make sure that they've been given every opportunity to turn that performance around. I don't know. What do you guys think?
2: I think for me, man, like part of this is what we were just talking about, maintaining that connection, right? So one of my mentors and I were just talking about this. How do I describe it? We call them walkabouts. So like typically Mondays, we do our team meetings, right? But like after the meeting, everybody's kind of said their piece and you would think normally, okay, cool, we did a meeting, we're good. But even after that, I still kind of walk around a little bit to each individual and I kind of get like, the, like hey, you good? Like, is everything cool? Is there anything you need? Like just triple checking because not everybody's willing to be public about their problems or their situations. A lot of people don't want to be vulnerable. And so they'll just tell you, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. But like you typically will know and Scott, like I've heard some amazing, very powerful stories on his end from this very type of situation. But like just that check in of once a week, kind of seeing how's your people going, even if it's just the once. And then, like you said, sometimes you just go and scroll their social media, right? Because people will tell you a lot without telling you a lot just based on the things that they're doing in passing or like passively. So that's one of the things that I try to do to maintain that connection, because I think it's like any relationship, right? When that connection or that communication breakdown starts, if it continues, that's why things get as bad as they do, because it just, nobody knows. And then we're both kind of avoiding the situation and then it just snowballs and it it gets too far. So if you can just stay in on contact and just stay on top of these things, it's a lot easier to put the fire out when it's small versus when it's taking over the whole dumpster.
1: Nah, I think that's huge, man. That, that, That person or in-person conversation is massive because then you get body language. It's not just a phone call. You know, even, even over zoom, it's not the same. So anytime I visit, you know, Corpus Christi right now is where most of our business is done. I try to have a one-on-one conversation with everybody there just so I can get that, that energy feeling from them and know that, Hey, we're good. They have everything that they need, whatever the, the case may be, but they're, they're they got a positive energy a good energy in general and if they don't then i'll kind of dig into that and that's resulted in tears and all kinds of stuff sometimes you know um as we get older we get better at reading people in general whether or not their energy's off and if there's en- energy is off then give them an opportunity to to kind of vent even if it's just venting right scott i know you're gonna jump in there
4: yeah no it's so true uh you know we, we have had a couple situations where we, the the people were good people. Like I just, I literally, a person in my mentorship, I found out that at 18, he, he and a 15 year old had a baby and he had to give up that child and it's bothering him. And he's struggling a little bit. And if I didn't know that story behind him and what his why is to go back and have a place in that child's heart, that child's life, which now he's 25, then I probably wouldn't give him a second chance because he's been struggling. So I I have a, a used car assistant, position that that he can go and help take pictures and kind of reset. Now I told him, I said, it's going to be up to you. You know, we have 180 employees, you know, all these different departments, you can put him in a different position. I said, now it's going to be up to you. But when I went and talked to his leader, I said, does he have a positive attitude? Does he show up on time? Does he, does he work hard? You know, uh, is he good culture fit? Yes. If they would have said no to any of those, I'd probably sit down and said, look, obviously you're struggling. What can I do? What can we do to help you? What can we do? And then what are you going to do to help you? And then this is, let's agree to this level of performance you can get to. We're going to start here. You're not going to go from here to here. We're going to go to here, and then we're going to here, then we're going to here. Are you up to it? It's going to take you maybe working more, making more phone calls, getting out of your comfort zone, showing up at 715 and working the service lane. Are you willing to do that? But I do have a couple of really good success stories where we had people that were good culture fit. They were struggling, and we had that talk with them, and they were like, "Uh uh-oh. Like they've never really been called out before. They've kind of been coddled. They kind of not really been called out or, or someone that cares about them and says, look, I, I really don't want to have to let you go. I don't want to. So what are we going to do about this? And then I tell you, one of them is one of my top salespeople. And another one is a manager uh, that's going back through my mentorship. So those conversations can turn around. Um, and also sometimes you find that they're in the wrong position. But body language, man, when you walk by, And you see, I mean, if you see performances down, just have a conversation with them. Typically, something's going on outside of work, family, money, um, daughters, sons. You know, it's not anything to do with work. They're bringing what's going on outside of work into work. Same thing with pissed off customers. When I find out that customers are pissed off, it's typically not pissed off about the situation. They're pissed off because we didn't communicate about it. And they're pissed off. There's something else going on in their life that they're taking it out on us. So that's just some feedback, but reading people, um, when you pass them and you feel that vibe or you take a look at them, if something's not right, you know, do have that conversation.
1: A hundred percent. Ryan, you got something for us?
0: It was Stu's follow-up. I wanted to share that. So yeah, he was uh, listening. And then uh, that one thing is that uh, what Drewby was saying about if their response is just good, um setting setting back and getting that one on one, that heart to heart is uh kind of the way that you're you're gonna go about it. And I mean I, I agree I agree hundred percent on that because um I don't I don't run a business. I don't have anybody under me. But from from the times that, you know, I've I've had something on my mind, being able to just sit down and talk to Doug about it has really you know, helped in various areas. So I, I thank you guys for your your time on that question and I'll I'll let you guys get back to what y'all were talking about.
1: Yeah, so I, I, I couldn't agree more on that, Scott. And, you know, I guess a more specific way or to kind of get you to expand on this because I think it's important to understand that we're not always gonna be able to pass them in the hall, right? We're not always gonna be able to have that one-on-one conversation with them. And so do, do you guys, because y'all have so many people, um, do y'all have systems in place to stay connected? I mean, you talked about the AM workouts once a week, I think before we went live. So that's huge. Uh, what other things do y'all have going on that it kind of creates that conversation or it creates an environment where everybody's sharing?
4: So I mentor their leaders. Their mentors leader then. They, 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 they lead them. They still keep me in the loop. And if it's something bad, they let me know. Hey, boss, Druby's going through something at home. You may be passing. So I say, hey, Drewby, man. Hey, bro. Good, you know, I understand going through a little bit. Just I just want you to know that I'm here for you. We're here for you, bro. You need a little time off. Do you need a draw? Do you need money? Like, what can we do to help you? And you know, they keep me if the, if I need to know. Now they don't tell me everything. But if a situation where they need me just to go touch that situation or I got a real pissed off customer, like the heat sinkers come to me and my mm-hmm. assistant. We deal with those. And we deal with a lot of things that take a lot of the BS off of the leaders. But um, they, 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 they can't report to me. They have to report to their leader because there's also a hierarchy of command, right? Just like in the military, they if they have an issue, the first thing I'm going to say is, did you go to your leader? Don't because don't because if you come to me and I go to them, it's going to create a problem. Go address it with them first, let them handle it first. Now, if it's something to do with HR or something bad, you know, then yeah, come to me. Or we have a 1 800 number, any associate could call because our company has 1200 associates total. We just have the 180 here. So, so you know, they have to go to their leader first. If not, it undermines their leader. So they have to follow that chain of command because nothing ever goes well about going above the person ahead of you. Yeah. You know, never, never works out.
1: I couldn't agree more. And, you know, where it, where it happens too often is when they're in a. Basically that what's going on conversation, why have your numbers dropped? Why is your performance dropped? And all of a sudden you hear about all these issues that. that it's never failed. That's how it's worked out but it wasn't a big enough issue until you were being held accountable, you know? So you have to kind of be able to hear that. And then it's like, okay, well, did you take it to your leader? Just like Scott said, and then nine times out of 10 they hadn't yet because it wasn't big enough. They're just using that as an excuse to why they're not performing now. So having the ear for that kind of the, the the bullshit to sales ratio a little bit there (laughs) is important is important. You know, we want to, we want to be positive all the time, but sometimes holding people accountable, people are, held accountable in different ways, right? And sometimes it's negative and sometimes it's positive, right? So uh, Wayne, I want you to jump in here, brother. You're the, you know, to me, better than anybody I've ever seen at, you know, grabbing someone one-on-one, sitting them in your office and having that tough conversation with them to find out, okay, what's really going on here? How do you structure that conversation? And um, what is your goal at the end of that conversation?
3: man this conversation typically is um my i go through my experience like w- what i've been through what i've done um and i'll lead that that conversation off with you know you know kind of what's going on get kind of the basic level of of what the problem is um and then my experience with it and then that typically gets gets folks to kind of open up right you know and, and and let me know what's really going on and get to the grassroots i I've had mentors in my life that were, they're really, really good at doing that. They were really good at, you know, telling me what, um, what I needed to hear, not what I wanted to hear. Um, and, um, you know, yeah, the, the, the saying that the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off, um, is, is super true, you know? So, um, you know, sitting down with it and just listening, genuinely listening to be of service is, is I think what, what the, um, what's been the key to my success and, and I don't I don't give people advice uh, that's the other thing too is I, I don't give anybody advice I mean I'll tell you what I did and what's worked for me um, and if you want to take that and go with it cool um, but um, you know I don't speak on what I don't know as well I mean if, if it's somebody's going through something that I, I have zero experience on man, I'm gonna tell you man I don't know anything about that yeah, maybe I know somebody who does, or I can put you in the right direction. Or if you just want an ear to listen, I'm here for you, you know, uh, being married for gosh, it's, this is our 18th anniversary coming up. 19th anniversary coming up. Congrats brother. That's and, nice. And, uh, Get yeah, and it, and yeah, yeah, next month, man, it's, it's wild. But, um, when we got married, my, uh, we had a counselor and and he said, uh, he said the key to a happy marriage is to stop, It um, is to stop trying to solve my wife's problems and just listen. Right. And uh, and that's tough. Right. So um, instead of, Hey, you know, here's the solution to your problem. It's, Hey, I'm, I'm going to listen to what's going on and see if you want a solution. But most of the time people just want to be heard. They want to get the stuff out of, out of between their ears and somebody to listen to them genuinely um and and not figure out a way to you know turn it towards business or anything else just listen to them from a human level um and uh, and then let them know too that that they're human and it's okay man you know humility is the act of being human right so it's okay I mean you're no better or worse than who you truly are and, and it'll be all right um so that's what works for me man that's what always worked for me I appreciate it, brother. Thank
1: you for sharing that with us. And, you know, I think a, a big point of what Wayne just said is the vulnerability piece. You know, once you're willing to, you know, and there's levels to it, right? You know, you start out being vulnerable with your people, let them know, hey, I made this mistake too in the past, or I had the same issue you're having, you know, and uh, this is how I dealt with it, or this is how I failed at it. And I don't want you to fail at it. So don't do what I did. Right. I think that Wayne's 100% right. It, completely opens them up and you get more out of them than you ever hoped for you know and so that that's got to be a big piece of it and then as you go up in levels being being vulnerable with your company as a whole and then just being vulnerable with people that you run into and then you become this authentic integrity driven person no matter who you're around and that 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 to me is like there's you know faith, family, fitness, finances, all all that stuff that we want to be great at. I mean, and then there's values too that we we strive to be great at. So we've covered a lot. And we're definitely over on time. So everybody's getting bonus time. And um, I respect you guys time. So I want to wrap this up. Um, so typically, at the end of my episodes, I'll ask my guest, you know, what does legacy mean to you and what legacy you're gonna leave behind, but all these guys have been guests before so i kind of wanted to let them toot their own horns a little bit as well as you know let's talk a little i guess it's a little more of a selfish question right but i want to know you know i want to know what's important to these guys i want to know what's important to the listeners too as well in terms of y'all's goals right and feel free to post that in the in the, in the comments as well but my question is If you had a a baseball card at the end of your life and you turned over that baseball card, what stats would be on the back? And, you know, I know we all want to have impact. I know we all want to help others. But be selfish with this answer, guys. All right. So you have metrics in your businesses. You have metrics in your financials or in, you know, your materials, whatever the case is. You've got these things that are important to you, not that they make you right? We know what makes you we most of the guys on this call, I know exactly what your core values are and what you're about, because y'all have impacted me greatly in those things. So I what I really want to know is is the numbers piece. And so I'll kick it off. You know, um, I definitely want a number one rated podcast. I don't care what it's number one in, you know what I mean? Um, I definitely want a 106 figure earners, you know, to have created a 106 figure earners and at one at any at one time, not necessarily in a lifetime, because I feel like that's pretty achievable. But at one given time, 106 figure earners. And um, you know, that that's a that's a big one for me. And then 100 acres of land, that's part of the legacy piece that I typically talk about. So those are my three that are kind of top of mind right now. What about what about for you guys? I'll kick it off with uh, with Drooby.
2: So, we're talking, like, if we're dead, what's on the baseball card? Like, what's on my last card? Mm -hmm. Then, man, honestly, I'm just trying to leave an impact with every single person I talk to or come across. Because, like, the stats really don't matter, bro. Like, they're numbers. They're all made up, and someone's going to beat them at some point anyway. So, like, to me, all I need my baseball uh, card to say is that I called the damn leads that I crushed the damn day, and that I left an impact on every single person I met.
1: You took the high road, you jerk. <laughs> no, I I get it, man. I do. I do. I completely understand that. But I know there's some dollar amounts that you want to hit in there, too. So,
2: <laughs> hey, All right, man, brother. I, I barely graduated high school, and they told me I was going to be in prison when I was 16 and showed up at school with tattoos on my hands. I now have tattooed "Meme Lord" across my knuckles. I make money every single day by making memes and trolling the internet. The stats don't fucking matter, and what they tell you doesn't matter. It's what you want out of life that's going to make the difference, man.
1: Amen, brother. Amen. What's your feedback on that, Scott?
4: Well, you know, I'm going to give a politically correct answer. You know, that, <laughs> uh, just based I stayed out of the taco burrito debate, hot debate that was going on earlier. You know. um, you know, I want you, I know you want us to focus on numbers, but this is what I'll focus on. You know, at the, at the end, when they flip it over, I'm not really worried about the numbers. I'm really not. Um, I'm worried. I, I, I would hope, I'm not, I don't really worry. I would hope somebody would say, or back there would say, he was a good husband. He was a good dad. He was a good friend. He was a good leader. And how I want to be remembered as, or what I want to be remembered by, I had one phone call to make and i need help and i called scott and he answered and i may not be able to help i may not be able to go and and but I, all my team knows that if you call me or if you text me i'm going to answer and they know that about me and i always want to be remembered as the person that i no matter what can always count on me because there were times in my life that i didn't have that person to call and i said you know if if if, if i can get out of this mess that i got myself in or If I could change my life and turn it around and, you know, and start caring more about others than I did about myself trying to achieve a goal, then that's my that's what my mantra. That's what I promised I would do. And uh, I'm not perfect, but I I try to I try to live by that. I have had salespeople call me at 3 a.m. I've went to court and represented people that I care about. Uh, I've called and tried to help people. I've lent thousands of dollars that I'll never get back. Um, I've given people the shirt off my back as they put a knife in mine later and then that's okay you know um but i just want to be remembered as if you've got one phone call you know that that i would answer if you're in my network and a friend of mine
1: i love it scott one phone call simon's <laughs> i'm coining it it's decided i love that's, it that's Scott's thank middle you. name now thank
4: you appreciate <laughs> it thank you
1: that, that is a cool number though that one you know that one phone call that one guy you can depend on you know the one that's going to answer uh, and, then, dude, I, I felt it when you said, take the shirt off my back and then them just stab a knife in it. Oh, I felt that. <laughs> I think we've all felt that before on this call. Wayne, what do you got on this?
3: Man, I want to help as many people as possible. It's, it's not really a number for me either. I mean, I had this goal when I turned 40 that I wanted to uh, make a million dollars before I turned 50, um, and and now I don't really have that number. I mean, I, it really is about helping people, man. I, I genuinely want to help people become millionaires. I want people working for me um, that I've helped to become a millionaire. Um, but more than anything, I want to be like Scott said. I want to be known as a a good husband, a good father, a good man of Christ, and lead people to um, to God. And uh, and that's really that's really what is important. I mean, the numbers, the money, everything comes from just being a good person. Um, anyway, it, it, that's a tough one, man. Cause I mean, yeah, I can sit down and look at the numbers and, you know, come up with, uh, goals and, but really at the end of the day, if I can look people in the eye, um, and have them look me in the eye and know that, that I'm going to be there for them and, um, and that, that I'm there for my family and my kids and my wife and, um, that, that's, what's most important I mean, That's the stat on the back that, that matters. That I showed up. 100% I had a,
1: somebody asked a question, I think in sales talks with sales pros the other day and they asked, uh, you know, they were in a funk, couldn't get out of their own head and they just, you know, you could tell by the, the, the text that they wrote on there that they were in a bad spot. And, uh, what Wayne just said is what I told him you know, just show up, you know, I think we got a call this, this afternoon, um, but I I, I did, I, re, I, re, I commented on there, hey, just show up, show up for your family, show up for your business, show up for your commitments, you know, I've had several mornings, especially, it, it's weird, the worst things always happen right before a podcast airing, I don't know what that is, or, <laughs> you know what I mean, it's like FOA just goes hard right before you go live with someone, and you have to, like, be positive. You know what I mean? And I just, I always remind myself, Hey, just show up and something magical is going to happen. And something magical has happened today. This is probably going to be one of our most listened to episodes. I've really enjoyed it guys. And I appreciate y'all taking the time. All y'all took over an hour, an hour and a half to be on this show and just delivered an insane amount of value. Couldn't thank you more. Just want to remind everybody watching and listening, um, uh, I don't ask for anything on the show. We don't run ads. You know, we do ask you to share it and review it if you get a chance. Uh, but more importantly, the, the, the major ask that I have right now is a donation towards the November campaign. It doesn't even have to be my campaign. You know, mental health is a real issue in, in men's lives. I think it's, uh, two men take their lives compared to every one woman or no, it's it maybe four to one. It's way up there. 75% of suicides are men, I believe. And so, um, it's an issue that's uh, faced our country for a little too long. And if we can just one person, we can all affect just one person, whether that's giving 20 bucks, growing a mustache, reaching out to your buddy, or just saying, hey, you wanna jump on a call, uh, 100% do that. And that goes into what all these guys are saying right now in that they're that, that one call person that Scott was talking about. So I appreciate you guys. Any, any closing thoughts from anybody?
4: Hey, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you for having me on. It's been an honor to run with y'all, y'all brothers. And uh, if you ever need anything, give me a call.
1: One call, Scott. You too, Scott. Yeah. One call, Scott. <laughs> One call,
2: Scott. That's it. That's, That's it, the man, man right uh, there, baby. No, I appreciate you, man. Uh, I love all you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you guys.
1: I appreciate, appreciate you. Ryan, you want to give us the, the final Thanks taco yeah. count?
2: You can just stay muted because the answer is
1: burritos. (laughs) You're muted, brother.
2: That's because he already gave me the answer. It's burritos. That you don't need any technical help there, bro. The answer is burritos. Mute, unmute, don't still
3: muted, still muted.
2: (laughs) Come on over here.
3: (laughs) He's got to jump in.
0: (laughs) Oh, for whatever reason, it's like. Not letting me unmute,
2: but the, the final <laughs> title was tacos. It was tacos. Be gone. Be gone with this nonsense. That's why That's I, right, you I had to walk that. across the hey, room hey, to give me I that I feel answer.
4: like that was like the presidential election. It was rigged. You know, it's got to be
2: rigged. <laughs> Once again, Scott, yeah. I appreciate you. That's why that I call you, brother, because you on my back.
1: That was not a down the middle observation.
2: <laughs> Later, yeah.
1: No, I, I appreciate you guys. I know y'all got more work to get to. Thank you for coming on. Y'all have a great day. Thanks for everybody for listening and tuning in on a live episode and commenting.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to execute on what you just heard and let's get building. As always, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts. You can also head on over to buildinggreatsalesteams.com and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. See you next time.